What's up, everybody, and welcome to this special post-game episode of Bear With Me. And I say it's special, but that's a bit facetious because, let's be honest, this was one of the most brutal Bears games that I think we could have envisioned, given that the Bears walked into Soldier Field facing a Saints team without Alvin Kamara, without Drew Brees, and without uh, their tight end, whose name escapes me at the moment, and they walked out with, I count it as a 36-10 to 10 loss because the Bears picked up 15 uh, late points. But anyways, I brought along a friend, the artist formerly known as Optimus Prime, and I have to ask you, Eric, are you still Optimus Prime? I mean, I'm Optimus Prime till the day I die, so we'll just continue with that note. That works. I wasn't about to take it away from you outright, but I did want to give you a moment to ha be able to say this is likely. I'm just letting you know, folks, that this episode of Bear With Me is going to be, we're going to call it Bear With Me Unfiltered, because I wouldn't be surprised if you're going to hear some negativity. I mean, this game had a lot to complain about, and I don't think Eric or me are ready to hold back. So we're just going to oh. shoot and we're going to go for it. And so I'll start, I'll start off, Eric. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not exactly the greatest evening to be recording something about the Bears. What were your uh, overall thoughts of the game? Uh, my overall thought is the effort. And of course, I'm still Optimus Prime, but even I understand when I see pathetic effort, when I see it, the effort for the last two weeks has been pathetic. The team morale pathetic overall coaching pathetic i mean i'm not gonna hold back here and say that we as fans i myself as a relative novice but still a coach that's been with the national championship team i expect a whole lot better than what we saw today and then when we see on national television what we just saw against the saints which by the way the tight end you're thinking about is jared cook i mean there's nothing to rejoice about. Just complete disaster from beginning to end. Oh, nothing at all. I mean, for crying out loud, uh, I so I've been sitting here and for the last bunch of weeks, because I'll be honest, Eric, as a fairly new person to analytics myself, I jumped in on the Bears last season and I really thought this entire offseason, you, you very well may have too, that I was going to be covering a team that was going to challenge for a Super Bowl. I did not expect in my first season covering the Bears to have to be so aggressively negative six weeks into the season. But I sat there and so many people, and I know you're going to be one of them and you will get your chance. We're going after Matt Nagy. And I sat there and I thought to myself, we've got a number two overall pick that can't make a read. We've got one of the top five uh, highest paid tight ends in the game and he can't make a play. We traded up for a, for a second round wide receiver and he fumbled on his first touch of the game. We traded up for a third round running back and he fumbled on the first carry of the second half. I mean, the Bears seem to lack anybody on the offensive end other than Allen Robinson, who is amazing. And I'm starting to wonder whether we even deserve him that's able to make a play. And I don't even know how you game plan with that. And I, it, this was, you said it really well. This was pathetic because I've always had sort of a, um, a hallmark way that I try to phrase coaching errors where when your entire team sucks, it's probably the coach's fault. And wow, this whole offense, like, yes, we could poke holes in it. Because I'll tell you right now, Tariq Cohen's been a huge disappointment. Mitch Trubisky has not grown like we wanted him to. But, oh, my goodness, the offense put up three points through the first three quarters before things really unraveled. And it felt just like it did after the Green Bay game, completely hopeless. What did you think? 
I mean, I'm right there with you that this loss really starts and ends with the coaching staff. I mean, my biggest question here is for everybody wanting to have Matt Nagy relieve himself of play calling dudes, which I'm all for at this point. I've been on the basically the bus to get a run game coordinator in town or name one. But my ultimate question is, why should we trust Mark Helfrich, the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears? What has he done as the offensive coordinator, someone that's supposed to be incubating Trubisky, helping him with development, providing some sort of creative solutions for the run game, for the passing game? What has he done to earn our trust either? So when you look at a team with such low morale and such a bad loss at the hands of New which, which, by the way, this is a classic example of a good coach in Sean Payton knowing what to do to take advantage of the game plan despite being lack of weaponry available on offense, despite having his all-pro Hall of Fame quarterback still on the sideline. He still did not make any excuses, and he executed a game plan to perfection. Matt Nagy, on the other hand, has a relatively healthy offense, has all these pieces that we were just excited to see on the field, and then a whopping 10 points in three quarters. Actually, three points in three quarters because of Cordell Patterson. Exactly. It's just, this starts and ends on the coaching staff. I mean, Matt Nagy, I appreciate his honesty, but I don't know about you, Rob, but every single loss that we've had, it's the exact same damn lip service we've been getting and every single loss, it's, oh, we need to run the ball better. Oh, I need to do a better job. Then freaking do a better job. Do it. <laughs> I mean, it's I love that attitude. Yeah. No, I mean, it really feels like that. I mean, I was just absolutely baffled because I watched the game with my parents, which is a bit of a rarity. I, I love the fact that I live in the same city as them, but I try to watch these on my own because I never know what's going to happen. And uh, after the game, of course, I looked up just basic statistics and realized that the Bears ran it a total of seven times and we threw it 54 times. I mean, that is insane and and i look at a lot of this and i can't waylay so we're gonna bandy the back and forth on this a lot and i know we are because every time i've ever watched the bears especially this season i come away with the same idea which is matt Nagy actually knows how to coordinate a pretty good passing game every time i watch the passing game in terms of the all 22 whether it's missed throws or whether and, and i put that in air quotes because i don't count the ones where trubisky's clearly they say looking right and the open throw is off to the left it's a half field read i'm aware of that but it really has felt as if he has tried to funnel everything through a quarterback that obviously can't handle it because i don't think he really does have any idea how to coordinate a running game that idea of a running game coordinator that's just not that far-fetched at this point because while i really believe in matt Nagy's ability to get people open through the air his running stuff has been really lackluster and some of its execution the offensive line has not played up to par people don't seem to be able to make blocks on the edge and whether it's david montgomery having different issues like his fumble today or i mean heck i don't know the guy's just not gotten going but it's not all the players a lot of it is a seemingly futile scheme that seems to put guys in positions where unless they all play like Joe Thomas level linemen, they're not going to make any holes because there's just no hole like really drawn into the play. I, I don't know what's going on. I find this offense so disastrous. I feel like it's hard to evaluate anybody because we can't differentiate what's bad scheme from bad execution from people not knowing where they are. We keep hearing reports. The only person who seems to be getting publicly blamed is Anthony Miller. 
for crying out loud. Like, why is he the one? Uh, no, I mean by the Bears, because I see you shaking your head, and he got criticized again for another wrong route. And it, it is just yeah, amazing because there's way more guys making mistakes than just Anthony Miller. And I'm not even trying to defend Miller per se, but at least we know Miller's a playmaker. And I'm starting to ask questions about who else on the offense is. Again, Allen Robinson excluded because that guy just keeps showing up for work. It wouldn't surprise me if he was over half of the Bears' first half offense. I mean, to go back to Anthony Miller, you know, as, again, I'm not a, you know NFL legend by any stretch of imagination, only my mind. I'm not an NFL coach by any mind, but when I see a head coach and I see a quarterback, well, let's just not mince words here. They threw Anthony Miller under the bus. He got thrown under the bus in the most mm, disrespectful fashion I could think for any player, period. I mean... How dare they decide to pick on the one guy who, quite frankly, has not been given up an opportunity to make plays to begin with. Oh, he ran the wrong route. Oh, he should have cut inside. I think the quote was that he should have been more inside than out on the miss from Trubisky. But that was just a flat-out miss by Trubisky. It's just there's no mincing words here. When a quarterback and a head coach are on the same page, which, hey, hallelujah, they're finally on the same page for once in their entire career. <laughs> but... When they are on the same page to blame a player who has not been given a lot of opportunities to make plays, you're going to create some unnecessary beef in that locker room. And again, I'll agree with you the fact that do we even deserve uh, Allen Robinson at this point? Do we even deserve a guy that plays his heart out the way he does and is the passing game at this point? That's a fair question to ask because you've got a pretty expensive receiver in Taylor Gabriel who just finally came back. He's not doing anything. Nope. You have second-round pick in Anthony Miller, the second-round pick in Adam Shaheen. You've got, as you said, the fifth-highest paid tight end in the league in Trey Burton. And then all this talk about Dave Montgomery, all these other weapons that you have touted and touted and touted and touted and touted as a coaching staff and as a front office for Ryan Pace. Where is their involvement? I yep. don't see it. Nope. And one thing that you talked about, you talked about disunity in the locker room. And I want to broach a, an idea that I've been having over the last six weeks of the season. So there was, a co- there was a comment that got made after week one's loss to the Packers that really stuck out to me. And maybe you'll remember it, but it was when Addie Jackson, of all people, uh, one of the few comments that he's made all season that people paid attention to, he specifically called out the fans for booing. He said, don't boo. And it was because I thought... Uh, it was just a I hypothesis I had after the game, and I didn't really want to talk about it because it was entirely speculative. And truth be told, Eric, I hate speculating. Playing kid psychologist is my least favorite thing because we don't know these guys' brains. But I had this weird feeling that we knew uh, that basically Eddie Jackson knew that the defense played really well, and he wasn't going to take any guff about the fact that it was the offense's fault that they lost the game. And I started to wonder, what's going to happen if this team can't keep winning games off of defense alone? So what I've been wondering as this season has progressed and as we've seen receivers' body language go from, we have this, no, he'll get it, to, oh, goodness, this is never going to work, like we saw today. I mean, there was a point I remember in that fourth quarter where Trubisky missed a throw over the middle and Tariq Cohen just stood there and stared back at him. And it looked cold. I mean... This looks like a team that has been slowly building to some sort of emotional outburst for weeks now. 
And when when you really start to like look at the ticker tape, and if you win this game, a lot of that becomes a water under the bridge. But they didn't win. In fact, they got shellacked. And I sit here and I wonder at this point, what is going to happen? Do you think, uh, Eric, like, of course I want you to respond to this idea of just, I wonder if the defense has basically been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, but with guys like Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, who's of course injured, Eddie Goldman, HaHa Clinton Dix, Eddie Jackson, studs all over this defense that they've been looking across the line and they've been saying, that's not good enough. Because, you know, that's Matt Nagy's part of the team is the offense. And of course we talk about Mark. You talked about Mark Helfrich. And what's so funny to me uh, before I give you back, cause I know I'm rambling is I never understand what the point of an offensive coordinator on an offensive coach team is because he's not the offensive coordinator. Matt Nagy's the offensive coordinator. So what does Helfrich do? I have no idea. Because he's not the quarterback coach. That's Rangone. He's I, uh, Brad Childress, of course, has his own role. I don't know what Helfrich does. I just know that the defense hangs out with Chuck Pagano, and they actually seem like they've got a great thing going on. And they didn't play all that great today, but the offense did nothing to help them, and the defense was the only reason they were in the game. And it is just wild at this point. Because I sit here and I wonder, what does it take for this team to avoid completely falling out? Because this felt like one of those games where you're starting to ask yourself whether the wheel on the car is starting to rattle and rattle and rattle and maybe it'll just fall off completely. So the answer to that question is I think some of those players you mentioned, like Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, I'm going to have Roquan Smith. Um, I think even though he's had a couple of rough weeks since his personal issue, which we still don't know what happened, but... He's still a young man. I think he's got a bright future on that defense. You know, Prince Mukamara, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson made that comment because I think the defense started having slight trust issues since last season. I mean, it's it's unfortunate to say that, but you look at the losses last year. They're almost identical to how the Bears lost today. Well, the only exception being this was a spanking. The whole team was spanking. <laughs> You know, this is the first loss of Matt Nagy's career was by more than one score. And the defense was just pissed. They're like, oh, the hell of this. And you see in the last two games, the defense just cannot get off the field because they're just absolutely gassed at this point. And they're looking back on the offense, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, Chase Daniel, Mitchell Trubisky, because in fact, I remember, quite frankly, all the people that were really pissed off at Chase Daniel when he threw that wounded duck interception in the fourth quarter for god's sake and the whole defense just looked at him like are you kidding like i saw that the whole reaction on the sideline was like are you freaking kidding us right now because he had a chance to win the game and just completely threw that duck towards anthony miller's direction which of course they decided to say oh anthony miller ran the wrong route which i'm like oh no that was just a pathetic terrible decision by chase daniel and that's why he's a backup quarterback for god's sake but that's a whole soapbox for another time but I think what it will take for this team to get back together, honestly, they just have to wreck somebody at this point. They have to come together, hopefully next week, which I don't know how on God's earth this is happening, but Brad Biggs reported the Bears are still a favorite to beat the Chargers at Soldier Field next week. It's going to take one big butt kicking for the Bears to deliver onto another team to get everybody back on the same page. Like, oh, okay. We still got this, but as you mentioned, though, the, that wheel is starting to kind of rattle a little bit. 
it's just the effort in the field is just really sad to watch. You see all the players just saying, uh, is the game over yet? Is it, are there zeros on the clock yet? I mean, that's something that, you know, even from a Division II college level, we see the effort in the field. We start pulling players. Like, all right, you know what? Get off the field. You, number 39, you loafing? Get off the field. Hey, number 10, you done? Okay, hit the showers. I mean, that's just something that Matt Nagy cannot tolerate. He cannot tolerate loafing, cannot tolerate lack of physical play. And it's really sad when Saint players are just basically ganging up in tree cone. Like, you know, I don't know if you saw the video, but basically Saint players, you know, picking on that size. You know, oh, you're a short, oh, you're a midget running back. What's a midget doing in the NFL? Blah, 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 blah. I'm not sure if that's the words they use per se, but when is the team going to start fighting back and showing some pride? And, you know, it's a little bit of a ramble myself, but the answer really is Bears just have to come out and wreck somebody, get a big team win, not just an eek, not just a squeaker like they had against the Vikings where, you know, they played against a team that was just, you know, incompetent from Kirk Cousins' standpoint. It's just going to take a big win at this point to get every back back on the same page. Well, it's funny you mentioned Kirk Cousins. I actually think Kirk Cousins is a great talking point right now. Kirk Cousins got whipped the same way that the Bears got flat out beat in London. And what's he done for the last three weeks? The dude's almost thrown for a thousand yards in three games. And a team that formerly was just a running football team is now sitting at five and two way better than the Bears record right now. And in like, I don't know if they're in pole position because the Packers certainly look like they've got pretty solid control of uh, they're only four and three. I thought they were five and two. Lost number threes to the Bears. Oh, well, that'll work. Uh, but either way, the Viking or Kirk Cousins and the Vikings have started playing really good football because that's what a team does when they respond. Uh, and and it makes me wonder what's coming. I mean, the Bears are apparently opening as favorites against the Chargers. And weirdly enough, I'm not surprised because the only team skidding harder than the Bears is the Chargers, who just lost today on a goal line fumble that just sounds backbreaking. But Either way, uh, I have a thought that when we talk about pace here in a little while, I can I can bring this up. But well, let's knock out the rest of this game's topics. What did you think is going on with David Montgomery? Man, that's the same question I had coming into this week, and then again every single time Matt Nagy follows a loss, saying, "Oh, we got to run the ball better. We got to run the ball better. We got to run the ball better." I look at David Montgomery. I look at the number of carries he gets. I look at 55 pass attempts versus seven total carries by running backs. And I look back at Matt Nagy and I'm like, I thought you wanted this running back to where you basically begged and begged and begged and begged Ryan Pace to go get this guy. And I mean, I was the biggest fan of the trade. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to get Dave Montgomery, who is going to be a surefire replacement over Jordan Howard. Only for that young talent, like you see him carry the ball with complete toughness, and yeah, he fumbled. I understand every freaking running back's gonna fumble at some point. I mean, Walter Payton fumbled quite a lot during his rookie season. I mean, to get one carry in the first half, one. Who are you trying to fool here? And my question is, of course, like you mentioned, what's going on Dave Montgomery? And I think it's just the coaching staff, either they're reluctant to give a rookie that big of a workload, despite the fact that this is a similar coaching staff to when Kareem Hunt 
was with the Kansas City Chiefs. And he just lit the NFL on fire because Matt Nagy's boss, Andy Reid, said, why the heck not? Let's just give Dave, uh, Akeem Hunt or Kareem Hunt's excuse me. I'm just flat out flabbergasted right now. But, uh, why not give Kareem Hunt a big load and see what happens? And look, Kareem Hunt, before, of course, he made all those stupid decisions and made a complete fool of himself as a person, he was the best running back in the league that season. I mean, bar none. So I look back at Matt Nagy, who was from the Andy Retreat, which Andy Reid, throughout his entire career, he's known for not just being a quarterback guru, but you look at the running backs he's used. I mean, you got Westbrook, you had Shady McCoy, you had, I mean, Kareem Hunt. I mean, he's revived Shane McCoy and his return, well, his arrival to the Chiefs. You know, Andy Reid already has the answer that Matt Nagy's trying to seek, which is you pair your quarterback with a good, young running back, and you use that running back to their best skill set. For whatever reason, which, again, maybe Matt Nagy's just that scared to give a big load to a rookie player. Remember, last year they gave Anthony Miller a really small load on the offense up to the halfway point. Then they started saying, okay, go play a little bit more. We'll give you a little bit of a bigger role. I'm starting to wonder, is he really that reluctant to give a rookie that big of a role in offense? Is he really that obsessed with trying to do, trying to bring back some sort of RMC, like the whole run RMC or however, whatever it was called. DMC. Oh, the DMC? Yeah. <laughs> whatever, run DMC. And that's, as I've said weeks ago, is dead. I mean, Davis ain't even seen the field no more. Tariq Cohen, they forced fed on the ball this week and it just ended a complete disaster. So why not? I mean, that really is the question. Why doesn't Matt Nagy give Dave Montgomery the opportunity he needs to get? So I think it's twofold. I actually have an answer to this question. Uh, and I am going to play a little bit of kid psychologist, but I think that that's what it is. I mean, Matt Nagy is a smart guy. I think so. Anyways, a lot of people could say that that's ridiculous and he certainly looks stupid, but I think it's very much in the mold of Sean Payton. Am I saying they're the same coach? No, hear me out. I'm saying that in the same way that Sean Payton will call a play that's so crazy it just might work, we've seen the same from Nagy. I mean, when it works, it looks brilliant. When it's when it doesn't work, it looks completely idiotic. So hang with me for a second. So number one, I think Matt Nagy has a problem right now with taking his own game plan away from him. I think Matt Nagy will look and he'll put himself in another coach's shoes and he'll say, if I was them, what would I do to stop our offense? And he would say, well, I'm going to sell out against the run and I'm going to dare him to throw deep on us. And so then he'll hit the game plan and he won't bother to try it. That's that's the first thing that I've seen. He -hmm. says, well, they're going to sell out to stop the run. Why would I run it? And I don't think that's always smart. I mean, you go back to these old school teams, and I understand we're talking about a team that's over two decades old, but maybe you saw it, Eric. I did a big project with Thomas Jones recently, and mm-hmm. that exposed me a lot to the 0506 Bears. And they didn't care if you knew that Orton or Grossman was their quarterback. They were running it anyways, and they'd make headway because they had an identity. To quote Matt Nagy it, to a degree, because they had an identity, because they executed on that identity, they were able to create offensive headway, and that worked out. And number two, and it goes back to point number one, I guess, I don't th- I don't know if Matt Nagy knows how to run an offense that doesn't stretch the field well. 
Does that make sense? Like, yep. Without a Trubisky that's throwing the ball downfield. I don't know if David Montgomery is going to get workload because I think Matt Nagy sees the run as subservient to deep passing. That if I remember that game that you talked about where Kareem Hunt just exploded onto the scene when the Chiefs beat the Patriots. I'm sure you remember it too. And Alex Smith was tossing bombs all over the field. I mean, that's a key to that Reed style offense. And I'm not suggesting that this means it's Trubisky's. F- okay, let me be honest. I think that there's a huge, huge amount of blame that Trubisky has to wear. We're six games into this, and I understand that Daniel played two of them, but Trubisky's been, without a doubt, involved in the lowest offensive scoring of games as long as they mattered. The Green Bay game, we scored three. This game, we scored three until two garbage-time touchdowns. Does that mean that Trubisky is the entire problem? I don't know if that's fair, but he's certainly not where you want him to be. But without making this about Trubisky, I do think that a lot of David Montgomery's ill usage is coming from the fact that Matt Nagy sees, and you can tell in his play calling, he feels like he's got to get the pass going before the run's going to work. I don't think that that's always true. I don't know if this team has the personnel to be a run-first team. Uh, This whole offensive line, you take a look at guys like uh, Charles Leno, that guy's a way better pass blocker than he is run blocker. So I I get the philosophy of we got to pass first, but it's not working. And whether you make a quarterback change, uh, and not to Daniel, by the way, but again, we'll talk more in the Ryan Pace section because you know that I've got that crazy position that, (laughs) and I love the fact that you're a detractor on it, but... Whatever's going on, I think David Montgomery is suffering primarily because of that Matt Nagy in your own headism of, I think they're going to try to take our running away. So I'm just not even going to run. We're going to get that pass established and we're going to throw it. And it did not work. It fell on its face. I mean, like hit the pavement full speed. It was brutal and we have to watch it for 60 painstaking minutes of real football that's not to suggest that it wasn't a four-hour affair of just watching everything crash and burn so i'm gonna take it a little step further um i'm gonna say and i know people are going to be like man optimus prime is going this negative right now he's turned to nemesis prime but it's just arrogance at this point you know, Matt Nagy has a slogan, which I absolutely respect him for saying this, which is be you. I've taken that model to my personal life recently. Like, all right, I'm going to be myself. To hell with everything. To hell the fact that my Bears got their butts kicked by the Saints on national television. Oh, and by the way, I live in the freaking panhandle. So guess who all my co-workers <laughs> are? They're Saints fans. So I'm going to get all kinds of hell tomorrow. So you're welcome, Bears Nation, for being the sacrificial lamb in the panhandle. But... All kidding aside, it just comes down to the fact that I understand Matt Nagy was a former quarterback. That's the position that he lives and dies with, the quarterback position, as any head coach realistically would too. It's to the point where, and I refer back to every single time he's lost the game, you know, the Eagles playoff game, all six regular season losses, we hear the same thing. We've got to run the ball better. We've got to run the ball better. And then you see my Twitter comments, like I'll literally take like, uh, I think it was Adam Johns, like saying that same quote, like Matt Nagy says, we got to run the ball better. I'm like, well, toss F-bomb in there. It'd be like, then freaking do it. Freaking change it. And it's just, it goes back to the whole thing of being you. And I think 
psychologically, if he admits and actually starts working on the run game way more than he's been lately, he's going to be questioning himself like, well, who am I as a play caller then? Because if I have to change my style to, you know, fit the skill set on offense, who am I as a head coach and have I failed myself? And if that really is a problem for Matt Nagy, I hate to say it, but he shouldn't be a head coach in that point because every successful head coach in NFL history, I mean, dare I say, Lovey Smith to some sort of extent. And excuse got me. a huge win this last weekend. I mean, Lovey Smith's a good name right now. Yeah, he is. And I mean, it's a good name, but going back to Lovey Smith, going back to the successful head coaches for whatever they choose to do in terms of philosophy, they will at least from time to time make adjustments. We haven't seen Matt Nagy make those adjustments yet. I mean, at least not to the naked eye. Now, did they discuss it in the locker room? Maybe. Did they discuss it during practice? Maybe. Did they bring it up during film review sessions for coaching staffs? Perhaps. But we're not seeing whatever he has planned on the field because I'll give you a good example. The one time the Bears had a meaningful scoring drive, which is a field goal drive, we started seeing some different play calls. Like Tariq Cohen started actually getting an off-tackle run. I think it was like a stretch that picked up an okay amount of yardage and brought up to second and short. And Bobby Massey annihilated somebody. (laughs) Yeah, and oh yeah, that was my favorite block of the game. I'm like, yes, finally, some new plays. And then we saw David Montgomery, and the play fumbled. It was an outside run. Why don't we see more of that? I mean, running on first down over and over again, defense are going to just sit on you like, I know what you're going to do. And it's almost the same six, seven, eight different run calls every single game. H-back power, H-back trap, H-back counter. It's like the same exact calls are being played over and over again. And Matt Nagy does not want to expand the running game playbook. So just to kind of answer the question and to end that ramble, it kind of goes back to challenging himself to be him. The whole BU motto? Well, there's an old saying we have in the military. Being yourself sometimes not good enough. You've got to be able to adjust. Yep. If he's not willing to adjust, it's not going to bode well for him moving forward. And I'll tell you that I'm really curious to see what he does do moving forward because there's part of me that thinks that like there there's a lot of different ways that I can process what he did because what I always try to do in these settings is I try to put myself in the shoes of Matt Nagy and see try to reason how his decisions make sense. And one play that sticks out to me is that the first play of a game in which he had almost exclusively called passes. I mean, he called like what five carries, I think in the first half he came out in that second half and the first offensive play of it was a run and it was an outside run. So it's more along the lines of what you want to see. And it bit him in the butt. And I don't think he responded well. I really do think that the answer should have been next drive. You come in, you run it with Mike Davis. You, you put in the backup. That's what you do when the starter fails you. You throw in the, like, when, when you've, when you, okay, let me put it this way. This doesn't often work in professional football, but in college, when your starter flubs, you put in his backup. Because that's, I mean, especially on fumble situations. So I would have wanted to see Matt Nagy stick with the run more. But because he started it with a run, I've got half a mind that he actually did want to. He just got bit in the butt. And suddenly, like, looked back at the scoreboard, saw it was 19 to 10, 
and felt like, oh, heck, we're not going to get two scores running the ball, which, again, mistake. I think he made tons of mistakes. I think Matt Nagy has made a lot of mistakes. And yet, me personally, I have more faith in Matt Nagy, primarily because of last year, where we had tons of different wins. One that comes to mind is uh, the Rams game I and Heck, this year's Washington game, last year's Seattle game, parts of Philadelphia. We have seen Nagy adjust. We've seen him walk out with crap game plans and figure something out. We've seen him string these drives together that look like, I mean, Mozart in a play calling sheet where it's like every single thing works. And part of me wonders whether or not Trubisky ultimately is going to be able to run it. And I have no idea. Because, look, I'll be the first one to say between us, because I know I can be extraordinarily hard on Trubisky, that there is definitely some of it that very well may be on Matt Nagy for having an offense that's apparently too complicated for somebody to run it. But at the same time, every time Chase Daniel comes in, I feel like we see more big plays. We see way more bad plays because those two interceptions he threw against uh, Oakland were horrible. But... I sit here and I wonder, like, you, to to just key on that for a second, he didn't see that middle linebacker in the first one and that second throw, he didn't see the dropping corner. Like, they were horrible, horrible decisions. They were why Chase Daniels a backup. And it, it just has me really puzzled, this whole situation, because Trubisky's not, like, to quote every single fan who uses the most meatball-y phrase I can think of, Trubisky's not getting it done. I hate that phrase, but it, it, it's it's the phrase that I feel like best applies. Matt Nagy's not getting it done either, but to be honest, if Matt Nagy was getting it done, it'd probably look like Trubisky was getting it done too. So I don't know who to blame. I'm very curious because, and this will be my segue into talking about Pace, I think this puts Ryan Pace in a total show-or-go situation because here you sit, and you got your number two overall pick that put up 80 yards, did he hit 80 yards in three quarters? Uh, I know he ended with 250, but let's talk about the football game while it mattered. He had 86 yards on a ton of passing opportunities. He seemed, or the one RPO that Matt Nagy called, he should have given it to David Montgomery, who beat his man. Uh, I don't know if you caught this one, Eric. The oh, I threw my remote. I know exactly what play you're talking about. The check down, and Dave Montgomery is standing right in the middle of the hashes. I'm sitting there like, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. And then Trubisky just bails out after feeling like some faint pressure because Cameron Jonah just happened to breathe on him. And he just yep. rolls out, he tosses away into no man's land. I'm sitting there looking at Dan Montgomery just waving his hands around. He's like, I'm yep. open, I'm open, I'm open. I threw my remote halfway across the apartment. I'm like, are you kidding me? And like, I'm this is so hard for me to defend Trubisky because, I mean, you've seen me probably on Twitter many a times. Of course. I'm one of the few Trubisky supporters left, possibly in all of Twitterverse. I'm just like, you know, I was a big Cutler supporter until I literally cannot defend him no more when he got hurt again. And that basically was the final straw in 2016. Okay, it's time for a change. I give up. It gets very hard to defend Trubisky when you see a blatantly, blatantly bad misfire on his part. And then what really got me today was it was fourth and three. Tariq oh, Cohen no. was standing in, again in the middle of the sticks, nobody around him. And I look at Trubisky. There it is. There it is. There it is. He tosses it a good ten yards over your five foot six feature. Well, not feature, but your five foot six multi versatile threat at running back. Like, why? Just why? 
Oh, it's completely and, pitiful. And to go back in your point, so you're asking the question of who do we blame here? Do we blame Matt Nagy? Do we blame Trubisky? For me, I'm in the mindset of it's both. Matt right. Nagy, the piss poor play calling, and then Mitchell Trubisky, the piss poor execution for what could have been a brilliant play call, like the blatant overthrow of Anthony Miller. Could have been a brilliant, brilliant play call. The one down the sidelines to Gabriel. That was open. I went to Gabriel. I mean, but then you just you blatantly misfire. You're like, what was that? Yep. So it's it's on both for me. And of course, you want to get into the whole Ryan Pace segue. Um, we'll get there. We'll get there. But it's just for me, it's about at some point, Matt Nagy has to have a discussion with Mitchell Trubisky. Okay, how do I put you in your position to succeed? What do I, as a head coach, what does Mark Helfrich as the offensive coordinator, what does Dave Rangone, who by, quite frankly, I think it was a mistake keeping Dave Rangone as quarterback coach, that's just a whole different sideshow altogether. I thought they were better options this offseason. But they kept him because it was a report of Trubisky, so whatever. But at some point, he has to have a man-to-man discussion and ask Trubisky, are you confident in yourself to run the game plan anymore? Can you do it? Are you able to do it? And the answer is up for anyone to discuss because right now we just we're not seeing a quarterback and their head coach on the same page. That's just how I see the whole thing. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back. Thank you so much, everybody, for bearing with me. Uh, I'm back with Eric. Uh, whatever cut I'm going to splice this in on, know that, believe it or not, uh, Eric and I had to stop mid-flow because a tornado touched down less than, I mean, less than a block away from my apartment building. And I'm, I'm serious. Like, run to the closet, feel the apartment building shake, and I'm on the third floor, of course. So I was worried, but I have relocated, and we are ready to keep rolling. And I listened back to the recording, Eric, and I heard you talking about that man-to-man conversation that Nagy needs to have with Trubisky about what do you need. And I agree. I mean, I think that that needs to happen. What's crazy about the Nagy-Trubisky situation, and it's where I think Pace comes into it, is when I went to training camp, did you have a chance, by the way, to go to training camp at all? Unfortunately, no. Um, trying to drive all the way from Pensacola, Florida, up to uh, <laughs> that neck of the woods would be a pretty far drive. And then trying to get an airplane ticket up there was also not in the budget at that point. So sadly, 
I was not able to, uh, you know, attend training camp, but that's my goal next year. Makes total sense to me. I mean, so I got the chance to go to camp, and honestly, the Trubisky that I saw in camp is just tremendously more confident than the Trubisky that I'm seeing on game days. And I don't want to be somebody who supposes too much, but it sure looks as if he's a different player in practice than he is in games, much to our chagrin, because I don't mean that absurdly positively. And yes, of course, Trubisky showed up in the fourth quarter just like he always does, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, because usually the games are closer and that kind of play helps us out. But in this game, I mean... Cordero Patterson might have had the best defensive play of the day when he swatted out a clear interception, let alone a couple of other nasty passes that Trubisky had. And I sit here and to go back on my point about Ryan Pace, this is going to be I'll repeat it again and I'll finally expound on it a little bit. A show or go moment. I don't think that there's a clear solution. I'll be the first to say that I have a what I think is a fairly decent argument for the only quarterback trade that I think makes any sense at all is Josh Rosen. You don't even have to like the guy. It's because he's the cheapest, youngest option you're going to get. He's basically a second dip into first round talent, and he's likely affordable. But you don't have to like him because the truth be told, um, that doesn't matter. What matters is the Bears have a good defense right now. And one way or another, the GM is either going to double down Ryan Pace on Mitch Trubisky, or he's going to make a move, and the team's either going to get better or they're going to work or they're going to get worse in either of those situations. They sit here at three and three. That's probably behind uh, when it comes to the playoff chase. But whichever quarterback they decide to go with, whatever moves they do or don't make, I think that it's ultimately going to come back around to. Ryan Pace, uh, like it's going to come back around to Ryan Pace answering that call one way or another. And I got to be honest, Eric, I'm really curious to see what happens. So here's my whole spiel about, you know, of course, Kevin and I, which by the way is Kevin Hand, it's all love, man. We all, of course, we have our business <laughs> here and there. But I mean, it was just a legitimate, you know, discussion between me and Kev. I understand the temptation is real. Why not send, say, fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick? I think Bill Zimmerman kind of threw in the fifth-round pick idea for a guy like Josh Rosen. But from my perspective, again, I'm not some Lombardi trophy-wielding coach here. But when you start doing that, when you start trying to sniff around and you send a you know, mid-to-late-round draft pick for a quarterback midseason – where the team's already having a hell of a time defending its quarterback, you send the message to the locker room like, well, we don't like our prospects this season, so we're going to start trading future assets, which, oh yeah, the Bears have one of the most limited stockpile draft picks there is of any team in the league. Of course. When you start trading with assets for a quarterback that, I mean, Josh Rosen, I hate to say it, but the guy's already broken at this point. You know, from a managerial perspective, from a sport management perspective, seeing a quarterback that's already been traded by their team that traded up to 10th overall to get him, shipped him over to Miami for a second-round pick, and then Miami proceeds to put him back on the bench. Why do I want to, why do I want to see a team invest any draft pick in a guy that's already had two franchises essentially quit on him? Right. And then on top of that, it sends a really bad message to the locker room when you start trying to bring in other quarterbacks like through draft picks because, again, you're starting to tell them, well, 
we don't exactly like who we have at quarterback right now. We don't have a definite answer right now. And if you trade for Josh Rosen right now, I mean, he ain't going to play for a while. I mean, nope. there has never been, and to my memory, a quarterback that a team has sent any draft picks to midseason. And then the quarterback miraculously turns the whole team's fortunes around. There have been times where quarterbacks have been benched. They put in a new guy. And there's some sort of spark. But I can't think of any time in recent memory where a team has traded away a draft pick to another team to get a quarterback. And then you take that quarterback, put him in a lineup, and then all of a sudden they become a playoff contender again. You mean it's like just, Garoppolo? Not... Well, but the 49ers are complete garbage that year. I mean, yes. they weren't going nowhere. Nope. I'm talking about a team with playoff aspirations. Right. That's the difference. About, you know, a Chicago Bears team, which, yeah, the loss really hurt today. But this is a team that still has the expectation to winning. Sorry, that was the cat. But anyway, <laughs> um, this is a team that still has the expectation to at least get to the playoffs. And then God knows what happens in the playoffs. Right. So for a team with aspirations and an expectation from Ryan Pace down to Matt Nagy to send a draft pick for a guy, it's Josh Rosen or if it's some other quarterback, that to me would just send the wrong message. And, I can and it's just not that. a smart decision for, for this particular situation. Right. The, the question that I have, and this is, I think, the, so – Ryan Pace, as we know, and we knew this last year, let's be really honest, he tied everything he had to Mitch Trubisky. He said, this is the guy, and that's it. There's, there's no real way around that. Um, and so if Trubisky's not, because let's play in hypothetical, he played poorly today, he played poorly in week one, he played not very well in week two, but not quite fully poorly, seemed to get all the naggy help that he possibly could have asked for, and now he's also injured. So let's just go on the record and say his prospects, as far as getting amazingly better uh, th throughout the rest of the season, I wouldn't take that bet if, if it was me and I had to put some money on it. Me so, either. right. I think that's the only fair thing we can say at this point. So then what do you do? Okay. So you could look around and you could trade for a veteran option. Well, that's going to cost you a draft pick and you have to absorb their contract and very few veteran options that are worth trading for have contracts that are all that cheap. Okay, second option. You draft a quarterback in 2020. Now you're talking about somebody who has to go through the throes of being a rookie in 2020. And uh, not to mention, it's going to cost you either your second round pick to get a second round prospect, by the way, or you're going to have to package that, those two second rounders with the 2020 first rounder, again, bankrupting more draft capital just to get in, say, nine or ten based on draft charts. So that gets you a shot at a top or flight quarterback. But again, you have to go through the rookie thing. The reason that I continue to hit the Josh Rosen drum uh, is because Josh Rosen at the moment, he left all of his salary in Arizona. So if you trade for him, he has a $6 million cap hit over three years. So that's two per year. So very, very cheap. Not to mention, I don't think that you would disagree with me if I said that the two teams that he's gotten moved to are, at the time of him being there, some of the worst-run teams in the league. 
Uh, and with Miami clearly tanking, the question becomes, did they bench the kid or are they protecting him because a hurt Rosen does them no good on the trade market? I don't know. And But I'll wrap up this argument to say that, again, Josh Rosen coming into the draft was a talented kid. At the moment, he's available for almost nothing. So if you trade for him and you and he works in Chicago, we're talking even just plays at a B, B-plus level from the quarterbacking position, who knows? Maybe something's helped out. And, the, and to quote Kev, who I'm with you, Kev can often be way too abrasive. If you make that move and Mitch crumbles mentally, is that your answer? That Mitch isn't who you wanted him to be, that in the face of competition, instead of being, if you will, the Thomas Jones that rises above it and just plays his best football ever, he shrivels. Maybe that tells you all you need to know. And I'm putting this idea out knowing full and well it's probably not going to happen. Let me be really honest. Like, quarterback trade, that would be crazy. People don't do that in the NFL. But at the same time, Eric, I'll tell you what. If this team doesn't muster up a winning season, people are going to get fired. Mm-hmm. And if if I was Pace, this last game would really worry me that much. And I understand that it sounds knee-jerk, but you combine the London game, the bye, and this performance. And I think that that fourth and three throw that Mitch Trubisky had, the sad one that was way over Gabriel's head, I don't know how you felt, but that looked to me like a throw that would make offensive change because it was that bad and yeah. and it cap it capped off an offensive performance that was that bad and again i don't think rosen is some patron saint i got to be honest what i think he is just to be completely clear is a quarterback that if supported has the talent to make throws you've seen it in miami you've seen it in arizona he can put a deep ball in somebody's hands and that might be what naggy needs cuz he seems like he can make a read but again I'm kind of grasping at straws because Pace has not left a lot of good options on the table. He hitched everything to Trubisky, which is why the only quarterback that could even realistically be of any help is this kid who has fallen a complete anomaly situation where he's a first-round pick that got traded up for that's now on his second team in two years. Maybe that's all you got, that they meet in the middle. But I'm with you. Trading him would basically signify you're out on Trubisky. Maybe the Bears aren't willing to make that move, but I find it almost too coincidental, almost too wild that this team that has clearly shown it's got the defensive props has this performance happen, of which, by the way, they passed it 54 times, almost as if to be begging Trubisky to give them reason to keep him only a week and a half before the trading deadline. Kind of crazy, but... Of all the years, of all the teams, maybe it's this one that does something really crazy. Because Ryan Pace, as I'm sure you know, is one of the most aggressive people I've ever seen. It's certainly interesting to think about the prospects. Um, Of course, I still think about the whole situation where, you know, you hit the head of the nail just dead on that everything that Ryan Pace has done for the last three years is all in on Trubisky. He has just put himself in that spot where it's Trubisky or bust. Now, again, it's not so much about Josh Rose. It's with any quarterback. You know, historically, when you get a quarterback brought in during the season, it's because somebody got hurt. It's somebody 
you know, just got benched, and they're, that new guy coming in is going to be a backup. The only time I can think of in recent Bears history where they brought someone in to replace the backup for the starting quarterback, to take over the starting quarterback job was Josh McCown back in 2011, where Caleb Haney just completely crapped the bed and sent me into an insane asylum, well, figuratively speaking, but all the Bears fans will remember just how much I disdain Caleb Haney in the lineup. So they brought Josh McCown in to try and be this, you know, the savior of the team, but it was too little too late. So, and plus Josh McCown already knew that offense anyways, so he kind of already had a little bit of a head start because of the coaching experience he had with that staff. He already knew some of the calls, and he knew some of the different terminologies already, so it helped him. But... When you go and trade for a guy like Josh Rosen or any quarterback, it's crazy. And it's pretty interesting to think that, you know, the way they call the game plan is like, okay, Trubisky, you want to do something now? We're giving you 55 shots this game to do something special, and we haven't seen it yet. And, you know, if Matt Nagy finally follows through in his statement of, well, we're going to change, somebody's got to change, maybe there is going to be a big change in quarterback position. Or maybe there's a big change in who calls the plays or who gets fired or who's hired. And believe me, I'm on the same page as you are is if Trubisky falls flat in his face for the rest of the year, like if he's done, like done-done, benched, never heard from again, there are a lot of people going to be fired. It's going to be the whole scouting directory. It's going to be the whole scouting staff. It's going to be the whole, you know, director of player personnel. I hate to say it, but you might be going bye-bye too if, Trubisky doesn't pan out. Ryan Pace will have that one big black mark on his resume. Like, well, you got Khalil Mack. got a whole bunch of good players. But he screwed up the quarterback position. And But something else, just to play devil's advocate here. Matt Nagy came to the Chicago Bears specifically because of the opportunity to coach Mitchell Trubisky. With Mitchell Trubisky, believe it or not, and I, I know people are going to clown on me for saying this but you know you can go you can just refer to all the different sources in kansas city about this mitchell trubisky was quarterback number one on andy reed's board right they wanted mitchell trubisky more than wanted pat mahomes or deshaun watson in fact ironically i think one one of the reporters for kansas city mentioned that pat mahomes was legitimately qb number three on their top board and it just so happens that he was the third quarterback to go off the board, but of course, he becomes the MVP. Imagine that. Right. And thinking back, you know, kind of bring in the whole discussion, it would not have mattered if Chicago got Pat Mahomes or Sean Watson, because under John Fox, they were going to fail. And even in this type of offense, Pat Mahomes and Sean Watson, they're not going to execute probably, because guess what Kansas City and Houston have? They have some sort of presence at the running game are they great no but they have some sort of threat that teams have to take account for so before we start asking ourselves well we need a new quarterback do we need to get josh rosen if you think trubisky's bad without a running game look at josh rosen look how just absolutely dreadful he was in arizona when they refused to give david johnson the ball and they refused to actually get some sort of running game going it's just it takes two to tango, oh, yeah. for lack of a better term. It's There's just no, 
There's no argument in any of that. The, the only even reason you would consider it is to try to give the, I think anyways, the offense and the defense something to rally around. As awful as it would be to rally around a change at the quarterback position, if they've, if they've given up on Trubisky, maybe, maybe that's on the table. That's the question. Because crazily enough, there's a situation, of course, where the team goes, what? They made a move? But, may, but there's also a situation where maybe the team is saying something more along the lines of, thank heavens you guys see it too because we need something here. Yeah. I don't know. And that and that's enough speculation because to wrap a bow on Trubisky, I'm with you. We could do an entire podcast, you and me, Eric, talking about uh, the like the trade-up to get him, like all that stuff, like a retrospective. But Trubisky's history is not fully written yet. We don't know. He lost a nasty game today. And we we have no idea. We just don't. He's probably the starter for the Chargers. Probably, right? But well, we sorry. don't know. We don't know because they haven't Not said anything. Sure because I <laughs> thought, Matt, this is probably the first time I legitimately saw Matt Nagy look sad and defeated at a press conference. I mean, we see him get a little snippy after the Raiders game, but after this game, he's literally like he himself doesn't have answers and. He keeps echoing the words, we're going to make a change. I'm like, okay, what the hell is a new change then? What is it? So and he could shot Trubisky for the Chargers game. It could happen. Is it likely to happen? I don't think so. I mean, it's, how do you say, it's quite literally the prospect of you bench Trubisky now, you're making an excuse for yourself as a coach and saying, oh, well, I'm not going to run the ball, but I'm going to entrust the game plan to Chase Daniel, who is not as athletic as Trubisky is. And I can't tell you how infuriated it was when I noticed each time Chase Daniel was in the lineup, there was like not even 15 runs called total. I mean, go through, go back to last season if you think I'm kidding. The average amount of runs called per game with Chase Daniel lineup was 12. 12 runs! per game with Chase Daniel in the lineup. And that's just not what the Bears need. So right. we don't know where this is going to head. And it's only going to, you know, time will tell what the next step is. Mm -hmm. And because we've just flat out hit our time and there's no way to go on, I can, I can absolutely agree with you that this will be a really interesting time to be a Bears fan. We knew the season was going to be interesting, let's say, but we thought it would be interesting for different reasons. Sitting here at three and three, the Bears still have a shot. They probably don't quite control their destiny anymore, but they do have every ability to stack some wins together. So this pushes Ryan Pace, number one. Mitch Trubisky, number two or three, I guess, uh, and Ryan Pace. Those three people are now all up against their own individual wall, and they they have to win. There's just no real room for mistakes anymore. And thankfully, things have rolled well. Uh, the the next couple of games that they have, the games like the Chargers, heck, games like the Chiefs even, should Mahomes' health fail him, they look a lot different than they did before the season started. Dallas certainly looks beatable. Uh, I'm actually more worried about the Lions than I am about some of our other like teams that we have to play. And that's a compliment to Detroit. Uh, the, the Bears have some tough opponents on their schedule, but things have worked out in their favor. And this should have been a game that they won. And I'm not about to backtrack on that. But now we will see 
what is real and what is not. And if Matt Nagy can't adjust, if he can't figure out something that works, truth be told, Eric, I don't care if he throws it 75 times a game if he wins. If he goes out there and some quarterback, some random unnamed quarterback, throws for 455 yards, six touchdowns, and the Bears literally never run it, I'm going to be fine. Uh, But this is the moment that he's got to show us what he's made of. He just has to. There's no other room to give. And I think he knows that. One thing I certainly find interesting, I I wish we could talk about this more. I mean, he came into this week saying, if I don't use Trubisky's legs, I'm an idiot. Well, he didn't. So I I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he was just trying to save face for Trubisky uh, because there's nothing, of course, like quite quite like a running quarterback to look like a bad throwing quarterback. But whether it's Pace doing something, Nagy doing something, Trubisky staying in the game and therefore doing something, something's got to give or people are going to lose their jobs. And that is not the Bears season that we expected to be covering, but it's the one that we are. And I, I guess, weirdly enough, to close the podcast, I'm just really interested to see what happens next. Yeah, I kind of like my final thoughts about at the moment, too. It's, you know, because you really want to talk about more like what will Ryan Pace do? What can they do? And really, my answer is they can't do anything right now. They have the situation dealt as is. The hand has been dealt. They have the same cards in their hand right now as it did in the deck which was the beginning of the regular season so of course a lot of fans are like oh we want to change now oh we want a new quarterback now play the backup again go back to rex grossman call jake cutler bring up all the retired quarterbacks shoot you know throw a draft pick to philly for josh mccown we want him now but the point is they have put themselves in this situation and now it's up to matt nagy it's up to Mark Helfrich. It's up to everybody on that Bears organization to figure this out for themselves. And if they need a new quarterback, if the decision is, okay, we can't do Trubisky no more, it'll have to wait until the 2020 offseason. I know it's frustrating, but that's the situation they're in. There's 10 games left, and I hate to be that guy, but 3-3-2019, 3-3-2018. I mean, it feels different, but history shows anything can happen. We just got to sit back and just relax and watch the rest of the game. Well, watch the rest of the season. I don't want to watch this game no more. I've seen enough. (laughs) I'm done with it. We got to really watch what happens in the next 10 games. It's all we can do. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on and hanging with my, uh, let's say, interesting inclement weather situation. So tell everybody where they can find you, Eric. <laughs> Pensacola, Florida. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right in the Gulf Coast. So we don't have to worry about tornadoes as often, nor snow or all the other bad weather, except hurricane couple storms. But yeah, just somewhere in the Gulf Coast. Your work, Eric. I meant where could they find your work? Oh, Windy City Gridiron. <laughs> Over at Windy City Gridiron, the best Bears block there is on the planet. Heck yeah, that's it. And how can they find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, just at E Derwalker, which is that impossible long last name that everybody just. You're going to have to spell like, that. Uh, it's going to have to be capital E, capital D, U E R R W A E C H T E R. That one takes me some practice. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it will. 
And as always, Bears fans, uh, you can find me at Robert K. Schmitz, R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z on Twitter. Search the same thing on YouTube. You'll find it. I'm undoubtedly going to have to come out with some kind of film analytics. And while I'm not excited and on one hand to dive into this film, I got to tell you, in the same way that it's interesting to watch a train wreck, or at least that's what they say, I, weirdly enough, can't wait to figure out whether the offensive line did well. Like, were they stunts that people missed? I don't know. I haven't watched it. It was a disaster to watch live. But now, now at least, who knows, maybe I can go find something. But anyways, thank you so much, Eric. Uh, Bears fans, I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with me. Bear down, everybody.